0: Chapter eight, price tags. So how is it being patrol leader? I ask Sasha when I meet up with her after school. What I don't see is Mrs Finch caught me in the computer lab and I think I might be in serious trouble or Daniel turned in my bibliography and really saved my behind. But I think the only reason he did it is because he feels sorry for me. The best part is getting out of school early, she says. And the kinders, I prompt, smiling at the nickname. Yeah, they're okay, Sasha says but she doesn't sound as excited as she did yesterday. I wait for her to tell me what's changed, but she remains quiet. Oh, I almost forgot. I stop and pull two math sheets out of my backpack. I hand one to Sasha and slip the other one down between my paper things folder and my science journal. She moans, fractions and decimals again? Want some help? Please. I don't get them, she says, especially their relationship. Why don't you spend the night tomorrow night and I can help you then? I suggest, hoping my voice sounds natural, casual. It's easier on Gage when I stay with Sasha. He can get into the lighthouse without Wes sneaking him in. And his friends don't seem to mind as much when it's just him crashing at their place. Maybe he and Chloe can even have that date night. She pauses. Or we could just stay at Yana's. My stomach lurches. I thought you didn't like it at Yana's that much. I say, hoping this sounds like a logical reason for not inviting her over for months. She rents the best movies, Sasha says. 48 hour rule, I say, sighing with what I hope sounds like regret. I always used to hate this rule of Yana's, that she needed at least 48 hours notice before a guest came over. But now I'm grateful for it. Sasha sighs too, though hers sounds less regrettable and more frustrated. I'll ask my mother if you can come over again tomorrow night. Great, I say, trying to ignore the emphasis. Call you after you ask, she says. Okay, I say, hoping she won't wonder why I'm calling on Gage's phone again. Even though I know that Sasha is a little bit resentful about her, having to ask her mother if I can stay over again. All that I can think of at this moment is that twin, extra twin bed in her room with a puffy comforter and clean, crisp sheets. Heaven. As I cross the road to a head start, I see the airplane man from the soup kitchen sitting against the brick apartment building. He's got his arms wrapped around his dog, his chin resting on its head. The dog lifts its head and wags its tail as I come closer. If Yana or the queen of rules, as Gage likes to say, were me, she'd pull away and remind me never to speak to strangers, rule number 72. But I've seen this man lots of times at the soup kitchen, so he's no longer a stranger to me. Besides, the dog is looking at me with its big brown eyes and all I can think about is Leroy, our old terrier. May I pet him? My voice wobbles a little. I've never spoken to the aeroplane man before and not even to ask for a plane. Guess that I should have outgrown them the way I probably should have outgrown my paper things by now. He nods and I reach down and I touch the soft brown fur between the dog's ears. The dog reaches its nose out and nudges the palm of my hand as if to say more. What's his name? I asked. Her name? Amelia. Amelia sounds funky, like Leroy used to when he went too long between baths. But I moved my hand all the way down her back, just the same. Poor girl hasn't eaten today, he says, rubbing his hand down and up, his beard like his chin itches. How come? Some days, food's just come a little harder to come by. Amelia rolls over to show us her tummy. She's loving the pats. The soup kitchen doesn't allow dogs, right? I ask. He nods, looking at me more closely now, like he's trying to place me. Right, but even if they did, dogs need food that's made for dogs, he says, or eventually they get sick. Poor Amelia. I reach into my coat pocket and touch the coins I've collected today. They're more than just found money. They're my way of showing Gage that I can help. But then I look at Amelia's eyes and swear my stomach does a flip-flop. Here, I say, holding up the 14 cents. I know it's not much, but if you keep looking, you might be able to find uh, find enough to buy a can of dog food. A can of Alpo only costs 52 cents at Walmart. I know because I was cutting cans and boxes out of the mailer last week to tuck behind my paper uh, paper cabinets. You seem to know a lot of things, he says. What's your name? Ari. Short for Ariana. Thanks, Ari, but I can't take your money. It's okay, I say. I'll feel better if I know Amelia isn't hungry. You're a good kid, he says, and lets me drop the coins in his palm. Just then, I hear my name called from across the street. It's Carol at Head Start, and she's holding the door open for me. I better go, I say, giving out Amelia one last pat. Next time I see you, Ariana, he says, I'll have an aeroplane with your name on it. As I stand on the edge of the sidewalk, waiting for a break in the traffic, I place my hand in my empty pocket. It's okay, I tell myself. I'll search for pennies for twice as long tomorrow. Do you know him? Carol asks as I passed through the door, but before I felt the chance to answer, she asks if I wouldn't mind putting up a bulletin board in the front of the hallway. She explains that she'd like me to staple up yellow construction paper with a lime green wavy border all around the edges and purple letters that say Welcome Spring. The broad is high, so I have to stand on a small step stool to reach. It's actually kind of fun, and I feel like one of the teachers today instead of one of the kids. Carol goes back into the classroom and Fran pops out. What do you think, these? Frances says, carrying out some artwork like kids have just finished. She's holding pussy willow pictures made from brown paint blown through a straw with a little pieces of cotton bulb glued on. Oh, I say climbing down from the stool, touching one of the little fuzzy balls with my finger. And then my eyes sting with tears, the way they do at the most ridiculous times. Think of spring sunshine, think of petting Amelia, think of anything but pussy willows. But it doesn't work a tear rolls down my cheek my mum made these with me i explained to fran who is bending towards me her eyes searching trying to see into the secrets of me but she doesn't hug me the way carol would maybe you'd like to come inside and make a picture then she says that's okay i say sniffling and smiling to show that things are really okay do you really want do you want me to put these on the board she nods But start with the dry ones she says or we'll have brown paint and glue dripping all over your yellow paper i staple one of the pussy willow pictures to the board and wonder what mama would say about all the lying i've been doing lately because the truth is she'd never made pussy willow pictures with me not even yana did yana used to do all kinds of crafts with us she would spread a plastic tablecloth on the dining room table and line up all the art supplies then she'd instruct us like a teacher on what to do first, what to do second. I was always happy sitting in my chair, wearing one of her old shirts for a smock, following her instructions. Now take a teaspoon of brown paint and place it on the blue paper near the centre. Not that much, Gage. Less, less. I'd take my straw and gently blow in the paint into a long, graceful stalk. Gage would blow too hard, causing the paint to run off the paper and onto the tablecloth. Gage, stop it, Yana would shout. Go and grab a sponge and clean up your mess. "'Why does everything have to be your way?' he'd asked. "'Because I'm the grown-up,' Yana would say. "'Well, when I'm older, I'm only going to do the stuff I want to do,' Gage would invariably counter. "'Not while you're living under my roof,' Yana would say, "'and then Gage would stomp off, forgetting all about the sponge and leaving Yana to pick up his mess. "'After a while, Yana gave up craft time. gauge didn't want to come to the table, and I didn't want to do anything without Gage. "'I think about pussy willows. "'How little fuzzy pearls bloom from sturdy straight sticks.' How they burst open just when you've had way too much winter promising spring. I looked down at the artwork and spread out on the floor. Some pictures like like pussy willows against a blue sky. Some look like poodles rolling in a mud puddle. Here, Ari, it's Oma. He's standing in the hall next to Carol, holding a newly painted pussy willow picture. I made this one for you. It's messy. The paint is streaming in unexpected directions and the cotton balls are glopping with glue. I love it, I tell him, and I do number nine applications they want someone with experience says Gage he and Briggs are sitting on Briggs's love seat, looking at Briggs's iPad. Maybe they'll train, says Briggs, who is trying to be patient, but I can tell he's sick of Gage coming up with a reason for not applying to every job I know, and Briggs knows that it's not hard. it's not that Gage doesn't want to work; he works harder than anyone he really, really, really wants to get a good job so we can get an apartment. <clears throat> it's just that he hates it when he asks, uh, and people tell him no. I look up from my math homework. Who's hiring? Jiffy Lube, says Briggs. It's a service station for cars. They want someone with experience, says Gage. How do you get experience, I ask? By working at a service station, says Gage. How do you work at a service station? By having experience, says Gage. The circle game has become one of Gage and my favorite games. All of our longings are trapped in circles where there is no beginning and no end. Hey, Briggs says, it's just occurred to me. My boss's brother owns a jiffy lube. Both Gage and I look at Briggs like he's found a trapdoor. Do you think it's this one? The one that's been advertising? Gage asks, I don't know, says Briggs. I could ask. No matter what, I could still tell him about you. Couldn't hurt, says Gage, that in his eyes speak a world of thanks. We leave it at that and don't say anything more after a job tonight. Hopes are as delicate as butterfly wings. Say too much, want something too much, and they'll crumble. Instead, I tell Gage about staying at Sasha's tomorrow night, which makes him chair-happy. When we both make phone calls, meeting Sasha, Gage, to Chloe. Suddenly, the evening feels a whole lot lighter. Briggs suggests we cook up some spaghetti and meatballs. Gage insists on a veggie, too. I open Briggs' free- freezer and choose green beans. "'Do you know,' I say after we cleaned our plates and Gage started on the washing, "'that Louisa's first book, Flower Fables, was published by George Briggs. "'Maybe one of your relatives knew Louisa May Alcock.' "'Oh, yeah,' Briggs comes over and sits at the table with me. "'He takes my wrinkly paper things folder out from the stack of books. "'Aren't you going to play with your paper dolls?' Briggs asks. "'I can't,' I say. "'I need to write an introduction.' Anyway, I know from experience that there isn't really enough room at Briggs's for me to spray up my whole paper world and not have it stepped on. He opens my paper things folder and pulls out one of my kids. Who's this? He asks. I tell him her name, but I keep my eyes on that book in front of me. It's my way of telling him I can't be distracted right now. And who's this? That's Miles. Wow, Miles has seen some Miles. I laugh. It's true. I've had Miles since the year Mama was dying. He's a thin scrape of paper sprinkled and faded what's this briggs points to the sprinkler at miles feet it's a sprinkler i say with my we're down now voice wow that's a water spraying around i couldn't tell i thought it was more creases in the paper he rummages through the folder and i'm afraid he's going to ask me about each item and every person in it i yank the folder out of his hands and place it at the bottom of the pile of books he's still clutching miles though give i say making a grab for him but Briggs pulls his arm back playfully as quick as that. Miles tears in two. I can't believe I'm holding holding half of him in my fingers. Miles was the first person I ever cut out of a catalogue. I've played with him in our apartment on Crest Street, at Sasha's and Yana's and every place we've stayed since. My eyes don't tear up. I don't see anything. I'm more invisible than invisible. I'm so sorry, Ari, Briggs says. I didn't mean it. He jumps up and opens the kitchen drawer and comes back with some tape. Let's fix him, he says. I nod, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to make me feel better. Try as you might. There may are some things you just can't mend.